the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. Mercy is waiting for you with every sunrise. Principle of Christianity. It's like if somebody doesn't have the Spirit, they won't get it until you get it. When you get the Spirit of God, then you understand these things that are spiritually discerned. Until then, expect that some people will think you are out of your mind for the way that you live, or the way that you conduct business, or the way you raise your kids and manage your money and do everything that you do. Because if you try to live your life according to the way that Scripture gives us guidance and direction, those who don't have the Spirit will not understand what you're saying. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through 1 Corinthians. Without the Holy Spirit, you are not able to communicate or comprehend spiritual truth. Today, Pastor Gary will expound on Paul's instruction on wisdom. Paul clarified that his teaching to the Corinthian believers was only by the power of the Holy Spirit and not on his intellectual ability. God reveals his wisdom by his spirit to believers to help them understand. Paul teaches you that without the spirit, the ways of God seem foolish. You are called to walk in the wisdom of heaven and live a life that honors God, even if the world doesn't understand you. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of 1 Corinthians chapters 2 through 3 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. First Corinthians chapter 2 is where we are. Let me just give a very, very brief review to bring us up to speed and the purpose of this letter for those of you especially who like to take notes. And then we'll pray and we'll start into chapters 2 and 3 tonight. The Corinthian church was considered more worldly than spiritual. We're going to see here in chapter 3 verse 1 in a moment because uh, what basically this letter tells us is that they had allowed the philosophy and the wisdom of the world to shape how they think and act inside and outside the church. And for that reason, because they were a church that was really influenced more by Corinth than they were influencing Corinth, Paul writes this letter as a corrective epistle. He is correcting them. He is addressing the fact that there are divisions and disunity, immaturity and immorality in the church. He goes through a litany of things in these chapters of 1 Corinthians that kind of expose their wild and careless living as a church. I mean, these people are out of control. They're getting drunk at communion instead of really focusing on the Lord's Supper. They're suing each other. 
there's a guy who's engaging in sexual immorality in the church, and everybody else is kind of thinking, like, it's okay, God loves you, and so that's going on. And Paul's like, no, it's not okay, and he's going to address that. And then they are using the gifts of the Spirit, but they are also abusing the gifts of the Spirit, and they're not understanding the proper function and role of the gifts. So Paul's going to address all of these various things that are going wrong in the church at Corinth. And he then will also, in the course of this letter, address subjects that they have previously written them about because he begins chapters 7, 8, 12, and 16 with the phrase, now for the matters that you wrote about. So there is some unknown letter that the church at Corinth had written Paul for some guidance. And they wanted some guidance in the areas of marriage, in the areas of lifestyle liberties, what kinds of things are okay for Christians to do and what not. And then they also ask him about spiritual gifts, which he does address in three chapters. And then they also have a question about money and how to properly manage it. And so he's going to address all of that in the course of this letter as well. Well, what we're going to see here in chapter 2 and actually into chapter 3, just to kind of give you an overview of what these two chapters are about, chapter 2 is a chapter of contrasts. We're going to see here as we read through here that Paul is going to contrast man's wisdom versus God's wisdom, and he's also going to contrast the natural man versus the spiritual man. Now, if you have a King James Bible or New King James, it'll say natural man. The NIV says that man without the spirit, and by the way, it's man just generically, okay? It's man or woman, so it's someone with or without the spirit, and the one without is considered a natural person in King James versus the spiritual man, the spiritual person who has the spirit. So it's a contrast of the saved and the unsaved. It's a contrast of man's wisdom and God's wisdom. And then when we get into chapter 3, it's a chapter of contradictions because he's going to address worldly Christians. Now, I know that that seems like an oxymoron, and it is somewhat, but that's the phrase that he uses to describe the church at Corinth. Some people will read chapter 3 and think that they're not saved at all, but in fact, he addresses them in chapter 3, verse 1, as brothers. They are believers in Christ, but yet they are living worldly lives. So he addresses that, and we'll get to that tonight as well. But first, into chapter 2. Let's take a look here into chapter 2, verse 1. Paul says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom, as I proclaim to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power." All right, so in this second chapter here, he uh, speaks again, as we mentioned last week, the word wisdom. He says in verse 1, he says, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom. And I mentioned last week that the word wisdom is found 30 times in the first three chapters of 1 Corinthians alone. Chapters 1, 2, and 3, 30 times the word wise or some form of it, wisdom, is used. And here in chapter 2, it is used eight times. And again, he's going to contrast between man's wisdom and God's wisdom. And he begins here by reminding them when he first came. Now, again, Paul planted this church at Corinth. Around 56, 57 A.D. is when this letter was written. It was written five years after he planted the church. So he plants the church around 51, 52 A.D. The Bible tells us in Acts 18 that he spent 18 months of his life there with this church. So he spends a year and a half of his life 
ministering in this church as he plants it, discipling people, mentoring people, building this church up. And after 18 months, he leaves and he hands it off. And because Paul was not really called to be a pastor, he had more of an apostolic gift. And he would plant a church and move on and plant a church and move on. And so he's moved on. This church has continued. This church has got some problems over the last five years since he left. But nevertheless, he reminds them. He says, listen, when I first came to you, fear and trembling. Isn't it good to know that the apostle Paul was afraid from time to time to really address the faith with people? And how do I say this? And what's the right way to say it? And, you know, he says, I came to you with some fear. I came to you with some trembling. He said, I, I came to you in weakness. And he, he admits his own limitations here. However, Paul was also a very educated guy. We know from scripture, he was a very educated man. Nothing dumb about Paul. He had a pedigree a mile long, but yet he says to them, when I came to you, And I presented the truth to you. I didn't come trying to persuade you with wise words or eloquence. I came to you with the power of the Spirit. Because if your faith is built simply on this intellectual approach to Scripture, which don't disengage here. You need to exercise your mind. God's given us a brain. But if your faith is solely an intellectual approach rather than a heart-engaged relationship with Christ because of the power of God's work in your life, then your faith will be of very little consequence. And it really won't last because he says here, I came to you, my message, verse 4, and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words. I wasn't trying to be this eloquent orator to try to persuade you to believe. He said, no, instead, I came with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. He's basically trying to say to them that I didn't try to persuade you to believe on the art of my eloquent words, but I came to you in the power of the Spirit that you might believe and have faith in what God has done and respond to the power of God in your life. And woe to to any church or to any of us who tries to lead people to Christ just by being clever or by being really eloquent. May we really rely on the Holy Spirit and ask God's Spirit to use us and to speak through us and to penetrate the hearts of people that we meet and that we talk to because it must be based on the power of God's Spirit. So Paul says that. He goes, I came to you, the power of God's Spirit, not with wise and persuasive words. And so in general, what he's saying here in the first five verses is that spiritual truth cannot be communicated without the Spirit. I mean, not real spiritual truth. You know, you might be able to talk to someone and sound really knowledgeable, but real spiritual truth cannot be properly communicated without the Spirit. So he's giving glory to God in that way. Now, in verses 6 through the rest of the chapter, he's going to approach another angle. He says, verse 6, We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, he says, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Okay, so what he's about to say here is that the wisdom of this Let me read again, verse 6. We do not, however, speak of a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers. He says in verse 7, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that 
God destined for our glory before time began. What's, what's the secret wisdom of God that was hidden before time began? Is the message of the cross. It's the message of Jesus. And so he's going to say here, look, this is the wisdom of God where he has put in place this redemptive plan for the salvation of the world. But he's going to say, but the world will reject it because they, they won't see the wisdom in this. He says, this is the wisdom of God that was hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Verse 8, he said, none of the rulers of this age understood it. You know, if the rulers of the age had understood that this was the redemptive plan of God for the salvation of all who believe, they would not have crucified Jesus. This is the only time that Paul, by the way, refers to Jesus as the Lord of glory. It's a beautiful title there in verse 8, the Lord of glory. And he says, however, verse 9, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, I can tell you, just because I've spoken at many funerals over the course of my ministry, that this is a favorite passage that is often quoted at funerals. To give hope to people who know Christ, that, by the way, your loved one who knew the Lord is, is with the Lord in heaven, and no eye has seen and no ear has heard, neither has it entered the heart of man what God has prepared for them that love him. And it is a beautiful passage that can refer to heaven. But notice the next verse, he says in verse 10, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. This is not really something that is in the future. This is something in the present. And what Paul is saying is, he says, in this incredible gift of God in the salvation of the world through the cross of Jesus Christ, he says, it's incomprehensible in many ways. Yet, God has revealed this to you by his spirit. The truth of the cross and the wisdom of God, it has been revealed to you by his spirit. He says in the rest of verse 10, the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him. All right, nobody can really know you like you and God who created you. No one can really understand the thoughts of man except the man's spirit within him. In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. Verse 14, he says, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Let me just read through the end of the chapter and we'll come back. Verse 15, The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Basically now what Paul is saying in the last half of this chapter is, the first half he said spiritual truth cannot be communicated without the Spirit, but the last half he's basically saying that spiritual truth cannot be comprehended without the Spirit. And it's this whole part here in verse 14 where he says, The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. I'm not asking for a show of hands, but I'm sure I'll get a mm-hmm on this. Have you ever spoken to people who don't have the Spirit of God and they think that your Christianity is just ridiculous and foolish? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? Because they don't have the Spirit of God. So they look at your life, and they look at the decisions that you make because you're trying to live your life by the Word of God, for the glory of God. And so you're living a distinct and different life, and people who don't know Christ will look at you and think that you are out of your mind. 
and they will think, why do you do that? Why do you do this? Why are you making that decision and this decision? And when you try to explain it to them and you say, well, because I'm a Christian. And so, you know, God is the one who shapes my perspective and my point of view through scripture. And so I make decisions about how I raise my kids and how I relate to my wife or my husband and how I manage money and whether or not I quit this job and move to another state and do all these other, all of that is really because I try to listen to what the Lord says and I'm trying to be obedient to what he says. And so I follow scripture and I listen to the voice of the Lord and people will look at you like you need to be in a straitjacket. And you need to go get some counseling. And what are you talking about? What do you mean that you are moving without having a job lined up? Well, the Lord told me to go to Minnesota. Well, I'm not sure God would tell you to go to Minnesota, but the Lord would tell, but wherever. The Lord told me to go to Bermuda. Okay, well, that will make sense to some people. But if you say to other people, the Lord told me to go to some foreign place that is this godforsaken, you know, anyway, Michigan or something. And, you, and you're like, I... I I, and, and somebody's going to be like, I can't believe that you're actually making a decision like that and you don't even have a job lined up. You don't have any schools. Lined. No, we're just trusting the Lord. What does that even mean? So people who don't have Christ and don't know Christ are going to look at you like you're out of your mind. And that's because the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. And it only is when someone opens up their heart and receives Christ... And then the Spirit of God comes within them and bears witness to truth that they get it. You know, the campaign ad slogan for the Washington Post, you know, if you don't get it, you don't get it, right? And the idea is if you don't get the Washington Post, then you don't get the latest information that's out there as if the Washington Post had great information out there. But I digress in my thoughts. Did I say that out loud? Anyway. But, you know, the ad campaign is if you don't get it, you don't get it. And it's the same thing in the principle of Christianity. It's like if somebody doesn't have the Spirit, they won't get it until you get it. When you get the Spirit of God, then you understand these things that are spiritually discerned. Until then, expect that some people will think you are out of your mind for the way that you live or the way that you conduct business or the way you raise your kids and manage your money and do everything that you do. Because if you try to live your life according to the way that Scripture gives us guidance and direction, those who don't have the Spirit will not understand what you're saying. So a couple of weeks ago, I gave the, every four year the election day sermon, right? And pretty much, for the most part, pretty well received, and you all were very gentle and kind to me, okay? Intercessors for America took a clip of it, put it on their Facebook page. It has over 51,000 views now, and you should read some of the comments, all right? Now, most of them... Very nice, very loving, very supportive. And then there's some other people who are very... You talk about the haters out there. I mean, wow. I, I was reading through some of it. And, and the, the clip that they put up was just the part about, I'm going to share the party platforms. You just let the words... You hear the words, and you decide whether or not these words of this platform or these words of the other platform more closely aligns with a biblical worldview. And I, you know, people were writing hate and stuff like... Well, there's no such thing as a biblical worldview. Yes, it's when, it's when you look at the world through the lens of Scripture. But then worse stuff. It was like, you bigot, and uh, we hope God doesn't hurt your children. I mean, it was stuff like that. And I was just like reading through this, like, seriously? All I did was like put up words, and all you have to do is like, you know, use. But see, if you don't have the Spirit, you don't discern those things, and so it just comes across as crazy and ridiculous. And that's how it will be for you when you try to live out your faith, and you just try to honor God and do what pleases God because you know what is right and you know what is wrong and you know what God's word says and you know what it doesn't say, there will be some people who will become haters and there will be some people who 
will object because they don't see the world the same way you do through the same lens that you do. This is what he's saying here. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. for They are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So they need the Spirit of God to be able to spiritually see and recognize and understand these things. Now, what does it mean in verse 15 when he said, The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. It doesn't mean that a Christian is above scrutiny or above the law or anything like that. It just means that a spiritual man or woman, somebody who has the Spirit of God, is able to discern things in a broad way. Someone who is, as King James says, the natural man, or just, or NIV says, the one without the Spirit, they have a very limited ability to discern things. And so what he's saying is that the spiritual man is able to see a lot more things, and therefore the one who doesn't have the Spirit can't really, he or she can't discern things by the Spirit, can't really pass judgment on you, because they don't get it. So if you're trying to live your life for the glory of God, don't worry about the haters. They can't really pass judgment on you, because they don't really see everything through the same lens that you and I see it. For who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? And he says, but we have the mind of Christ. That's a companion verse to verse 10, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit is verse 10. And then this verse, but we have the mind of Christ. And so he says there at the end of chapter two, walk in the wisdom of heaven. He says, we have the mind of Christ. So walk in the wisdom of heaven and live your life in such a way that it just honors God. And don't worry about the people who who won't understand because they just have an earthly wisdom, but they don't have a heavenly wisdom. Live your life according to the wisdom of heaven, and walk in that wisdom. Now into chapter 3 here, this is where it gets tricky because he, he's going to spank him a little bit here in chapter 3. And he starts out in verse 1. He says, Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly. Uh, if you have a King James Bible, it says carnal. It is from the Latin word carnalis, which means flesh, just, you know, human flesh. He says, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? In other words, are you not just being like the world, like the natural person who doesn't have the Spirit of God. Why are you living like this? And he uses the term worldly or carnal, depending on your translation, three times in those first four verses that I just read. Again, some will read this chapter and say, well, these people aren't even saved, and that's why Paul is addressing them as worldly. But when you notice again how verse 1 starts, he calls them brothers. And again, it's understood sisters. He's writing to this whole church And so he's addressing them as believers right out of the gate here. But he says, but you as believers are looking a lot like the world because you're doing things and you're living in such a way that you mimic more of the world than you do anything else. Now, again, it sounds like an oxymoron to say a worldly Christian or a carnal Christian. And it's interesting because chapter 2 that we just read was really about worldly people and spiritual people. And then you get to chapter 3 and he's like, And there are some of you who are a little bit of both. He says, there's some overlap in some of your lives where you are these worldly brothers. You are these worldly sisters. You you are not living distinct and clear lives in your world. You're looking too much like the world. 
The Apostle Paul's message to the church in Corinth was frank and powerful. They needed to make some changes. They knew the truth of Christ because Paul had spent time planting the seeds of truth. They had begun to walk in the ways of Jesus, but they had let lies taint their steps. Those lies are common still today. Is there something you've heard from a spiritual leader that just hasn't sat right in your soul? Don't let it take root. Instead, take it to the Bible and to your Heavenly Father. Allow Him to show you what is right and what isn't, and then grow in His perfect truth and love. We're so glad you joined us today on Cornerstone Connection. Pastor Gary Hamrick will continue teaching through 1 Corinthians when you join us next time. But for now, we'd like to invite you to visit cornerstoneconnection.cc to learn more about this ministry. You'll be able to hear past teachings, connect with us on social media, and learn more about the church this program originates from. If you're in the Leesburg area, we'd love to meet you. Come visit us this Sunday at 8.30, 10, or 11.45 a.m. at Cornerstone Chapel. You'll find directions and more information on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. We're excited to have you join us. Thanks for tuning in today. And we hope you'll join us again right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know You're not alone Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.